Are you doing this work to facilitate growth or to become famous? Which is more important, getting or letting go? Kelly Butler is a former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, but he also played in the NFL. Butler now works with indigenous children in Winnipeg. Playing for a purpose, works with young people, providing mentorship and creating opportunities. Kelly, as a black man and a former professional athlete, how are you feeling watching all of this unfold? It's your host with the most, it's your boy KB. How we feeling today? Man, I feel excited in 2021 because people, the today on the push, I'm going to keep it simple about relationships. Relationships in the beginning, the middle, and the end of relationships. And I'm going to talk about how I came to Winnipeg. I'm going to talk about the relationships that I was able to formulate in the beginning and say where I'm at right now and say relationships are everything. Put all of your energy, all of your time, all of your money into people. Invest into people in 2021. And if you don't have money, invest time, love, and energy. Energy, energy, energy. Because when I first came here, I had to borrow $20. I had to borrow $20 when I was coming from Oklahoma. Oklahoma City, actually. Uh, the night before, I had said goodbye to my teammates, said goodbye to my friends and my family, said, I'm going to I'm going to Canada. J.R. Conrad, who uh, was my, my my offensive line coach at the time, indigenous uh, man, played for the Oklahoma Sooners, and he was he was he, he was everything that I tried to be here in the football community. He was everything that I needed at the time because I had met J.R. Conrad in Oklahoma because that's where I had transitioned from being released from the NFL. So as, as he put so much energy into rebuilding me, I said, why did you put so much into me? And he was like, man, KB, I was broken like you. And I was like, explain to me, please. So we're going to explain. Before Kelly Butler came here, I had a brief stint in Oklahoma City. People and relationships and building and rebuilding, that's coaching. So I'm in Oklahoma City playing for the Oklahoma City Yard Dogs. I am broken Mentally, physically, emotionally, I am at rock bottom. Not many people came to see me, besides my boy, uh, Audie Matthews Skeeter. He's my uncle. I've, I've talked about him with Marcus Matthews. He's his older brother. As we look at relationships, if you have solid relationships with solid people, you can rebuild broken promises and broken businesses. But you got to have solid relationships with people. So as I'm in Oklahoma, I'm there broken. I'm there mentally, physically, emotionally broken. So I start off with Sparky McEwen, who I will talk about from Grand Rapids as I work backwards. But right now we're in Oklahoma City before Kelly Butler came to Winnipeg. The man that was there was J.R. Conrad. And I'm just, 
I'm working two jobs also. So that's when I was working at the juvenile detention center. And I was also working at Integris Mental Health Hospital for sexually traumatized kids and kids that were abused. So as I'm working these two jobs in the off season, J.R. Conrad is, he, he does all the weight rooms for all of the Big 12. And he's done well for himself because when he initially was drafted in the first round by the, the Patriots, he broke his back. So his ideal career of being able to have this amazing football career, it didn't happen. And then he was able to work himself back. And I think it was where he ended up being in Dallas. And at that time, there was an opportunity to invest in hammer strength. So he made an investment in hammer strength and came back home and started rebuilding himself. So he built himself back up to be able to design weight rooms for all the big 12 locker rooms. So as I'm at my most broken, the person in front of me is like, hey man, you can do this. I'm like, he was, I was riding with him every single day. Every single day, I'm broken. He's like, yo, you come on. And as coaches, you know what it takes to rebuild great men. You got to get dirty. You got to get in there. And you got to start building what was there broken before they ever met you. That relationship. If you want to be a master of relationships, be a master at people and find out that fine detail is this. They want to be seen and heard and this want to be acknowledged. So J.R. Conrad, this big dude, you know, as we all have to call out there and create ourselves to be caused because that inner child never really gets healed. So we create this massive man on the outside to protect this inner beast, this inner, you know, being on the inside. And I'm in there with him and he's just like, man, KB, you can keep doing this day after day as coaching. It's day after day, not on the field, but off the field. So he was always on me off the field, my behaviors, my habits, my skill setting, how to be an how to be a man outside of football, not how to be a football player, how to be a person that is transitioned out of football. So I'm seeing these things I'm like and he's showing me that he's still coaching men. He's still in the environment of coaching and he's still helping people that are trying to figure out what's going on for themselves. And he wasn't just doing it for me. He was doing it for my man Myers and a couple other people. And we got to design weight rooms. So we're in Oklahoma City and then uh, he's designing the Oklahoma uh, State locker room. Boom, Pickens, that whole environment. All right, so we get to design that. That's where I got my orange from. The slow key, that's where I love orange from because we... Kelly Butler felt like he was designing the weight room, but he had to see how somebody got to design a weight room. I had to do all the labor, but guess who else was lifting with me? J.R. Conrad was lifting with me, paying me a couple hundred bucks, helping me out. And I was like, man, this is pretty cool. Riggs, Riggs, stop that. Excuse me. You know, you always got to have a lethal weapon on you. <laughs> Riggs and Murtaugh, favorite movie of all time. You understand? Girl, stop barking. Uh-oh, somebody might be coming. That's fine. I said, hi, Auntie. Hi, brother. So that's Auntie Lee. Uh, and we're talking about relationships right now for the podcast. You're going to be on the podcast tomorrow. All right, Auntie Lee just always ninjas out of here. And she's, and, and this is an episode that's not going to be as clean as it normally is because this is real. You know, as I edit out things or try and change things and make it sound perfect, I was on the radio 
for five years. And I'm going to get back to my point of talking about relationships. It's easy to talk about myself and remember the story to make it relatable about coaching and helping people as Travis is sitting here listening. Like I had to sit and listen to somebody that showed me the blueprints to rebuild not only himself, but also rebuild other people in the process and still feel a purpose and still feel proud. That's the thing about it is as you're rebuilding, you still want to have a purpose. You don't want to rebuild yourself to go out there and get a meaningless job and lose your identity and work that hard to be average. Why would you work this hard to get out of foster care, to go get a meaningless job for the rest of your life and think it's an accomplishment when it's just an entry level opportunity to learn a better system? But why was it so hard for him to start there to begin with? And people say, well, he's gotten so many opportunities. He was never really properly trained how to be in that environment. Why do kids go to multiple different homes? That's a lot of different things. I had certain coaches that I was able to stay with to stabilize and learn their systems. So J.R. Conrad showed me he was like an indigenous guy that looks white. Imagine being white, living with your grandmother on a reserve. The reverse racism happens. He resembles, he is half white. Or he might be all indigenous. I don't necessarily know what it was. What's up, Auntie? Just want you to see. Uh, Auntie, you want to say something to the camera? <laughs> no, sweetheart. Aloha, everyone. <laughs> so you got to understand, if you listen to the podcast, you will meet Auntie Lee on this side of the border and that side of the border and relationships. The one thing that I understood about the indigenous community, why I had to get into be in fostering is because the man that helped me was Native American. So on this side of the border, he's indigenous. On that side of the border, he's, in, he, he's Native American. And he went to Oklahoma. And Sam Bradford is a quarterback that played there that represents the Native American community on that side of the border. So that's why Native Americans and indigenous community, and it was so frustrating when I would say Native American. They're like, indigenous. I'm like, ah, you're missing the point here, man. You're really missing. The person that helped me really want to give back to this community was a man that I had no idea about the drumming, the sage, and he rebuilt me. So I owed him to be able to give back. So before I went to Oklahoma, I'm talking about relationships. And speaking of relationships, speaking of that, this reminds me of family. And I always talk about my family and my four sisters. If you hadn't have a chance to check out the website, www.foursistersclothing.com, check it out. We're about supporting, we're about rebuilding, we're about a new 2021. Be a part of this brand that's growing through these challenging times. And I said that again, these challenging times, tough times don't last, tough people do. Let's grow together. www.foursistersclothing.com Don't be so structured in your systems that you're not afraid to make mistakes. I'm not going to clean this podcast up. I want to make sure you understand relationships is what matters. Relationships is what matters. So when you listen to this podcast, it'll be sloppy. I could clean this up. I could re-edit that. But then you wouldn't hear the dogs. You wouldn't see Travis. You wouldn't see yet. Yeah, you wouldn't hear Travis. You wouldn't hear Auntie Lee helping me move and stage when I have no money right now. And that Maddie brought over cookies. You wouldn't see that she's working so hard. And that was the first person that when I got here is the first person I met here. And she's my day one. 
So before I got to, let's work backwards. So we all know about Auntie Lee, what she's done for us here. And I'll talk more in depth about her later on different podcasts. Before here, I was in Oklahoma. We know what happened in Oklahoma. I played for the Oklahoma Yard Dogs, Oklahoma City Yard Dogs. Two people that were really big in my life, J.R. Conrad and Sparky McEwen. Now let's go backwards now. Before Oklahoma, where was I at? Back in Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids, Sparky McEwen is the coach for Davenport. He's the head, he's the head football coach for Davenport. He was a coach for Stavman. He has an amazing resume. He's another coach, a black man, that helped me when I was out of the NFL. Because it wasn't popular back then to have all these specialized training facilities where people could go back, back when we were out of the league. So if you got cut, you had to stay self-motivated to work out, so you had to go to the YMCA. And you had to be kind of by yourself because guess what? I went back to Grand Rapids when I got released. Nothing against Grand Rapids, but I didn't have the proper work ethics in place. Guess why Floyd Mayweather is so good? He doesn't have to get a new trainer. His trainer is his father. He doesn't have to go look for somebody to train himself. He can always get back into shape. He can never get out of shape. He can rebuild them because that's a family of fighters. So I understand Grand Rapids because I understand the culture of fighting and rebuilding. Those same stairs that Floyd Mayweather climbed up, Kelly Butler climbed them up too. As did Thomas Kelly and Dante Kelly and all the great athletes know those stairs in Grand Rapids. If you haven't done the stairs in Grand Rapids, you ain't on that. People ask, why don't you eat much? Because Thomas Kelly, who is my cousin, who is the assistant basketball coach at Western Michigan, would take me when he was playing for Michigan State and trained with me, like, come on, cuz, let's go. I'm like, all right. So one time I ate Chinese food before I worked out with him and ran up the stairs and threw the Chinese food up. So I learned my lesson. But guess what? When you go up the stairs, you got to go down the stairs. So it hurts just as much up on the way up as it does on the way down. So I realized pain is irrelevant. It's all the position. You wouldn't understand that if you've only been on a Stairmaster. You don't see the point of view. My viewpoint when I was a young person saying, all right, it's easy going up. Well, I got to go back down because I parked down there. So I'm always starting from the bottom. So I'm like, all right, so I go up. I'm like, huh, I threw up, so I got to go back down. So when I go back down, my legs hurt just as much as going back up. And guess who I see? My cousin going back up. Like, let's go, cuz. I'm like, but I want to stop. Stopping was not an option in Grand Rapids. The mentality of stopping when Kelly Butler wanted to stop, that didn't start. I said, I'm going to stop right now. Like, no, you're not. And I would just walk up them stairs. And I'd be running and reminding myself like, ah, oh, well, I have to get back up these stairs. One stair time. You can skip a few stairs, but you can't jump these stairs. Like there's so many amounts of stairs. And if you're not from Michigan, Floyd Mayweather knows these stairs. So does Thomas Kelly and Dante Kelly and Reuben Riley and all these athletes. If you're an athlete on this side of the border, when Coach Doby talks about the goose roll, you know about that idea. Coach Doby tells stories on top of stories because he's one of the greatest coaches of all times because he understands relationship mastery. Coach Doby is why I have the Playing for a Purpose scholarship there because Coach Doby had my back when certain communities decided to turn their back on me. Relationships. 
when we had that situation happen in the paper here, Coach Doby was like, Kelly, can I talk to you? I was broken and beaten up. He came like, KB, myself, my daughter, and Brad Black at the Tim Hortons. We sat down for three hours and I cried. I was mad. Coach Doby explained. He said, Kelly, here's what we can do. We can take a percentage that we, you were going to use and we can double it. I said, what do you mean, coach? He said, I don't know why they didn't tell you this or we didn't communicate, but this is what we can do. So now the initial investment that I was going to put into high school football, I was able to have that same scholarship that I didn't know about because that was what it was. Scholarships at high school footballs. I'm going somewhere with this point. Then because I didn't know the bigger picture, I failed. Then somebody came in that had been here at the beginning. Coach Doby, I started coaching with Coach Doby twice. I coached with Coach Doby when I first got to Canada, and I coached with Coach Doby a few years ago. So we have a phenomenal relationship. And he was like, Kelly, when, when, the, when, when the football community in Winnipeg had turned their back on me, Kelly Butler, Coach Doby stepped up. He's like, man, with my daughter and Brad, had a conversation. We're like, here's what we're going to do. And he, he, he laid it out, and then Coach Doby followed through, and now you see there's $40,000 worth of scholarships for playing for a purpose. Coach Doby kept his word as a man, his relationship. Guess who else kept his word as a man in relationship? Brad Black. At times, me and Brad Black are best friends. He is the person that when I first got here, allowed me to come play on this flag football team and it'll help me build me back. He's had my back from day one. And then at times, me and Brad have had a difference of opinion. Brad Black can be any one of my friends that I call a brother. And you know if you're a brother, if you played football, if you come in contact with me, if I've called you a brother, called you a sister, I think I've done pretty good by you. And you've done pretty good by me. But when we first met, I think I was probably in a situation that helped you out. And then we started helping each other out together as my tenure has been here in Winnipeg. I think that's correct if you want to look at the facts. So I look at relationships with myself and Brad Black. It's about relationships. Relationships have to be so strong because so many people are going to break promises that you have to pick certain people. So me and Brad, we have difference of opinions, but recruit ready. As soon as Cole Red is picked up, they have field times paid for this year and for next year. You want to hear irony? I wanted to buy a bus so bad. How many people have heard KB say, I'm going to get a bus. I'm going to get a bus. I want to buy a bus. Do I have a bus? No. But do I have, and when I say I, I mean recruit ready. I mean playing for a purpose. I mean minorities. I mean women. I mean men. I mean everybody. We have an opportunity when the code red is lived to bring athletes to the States to be able to have relationships and opportunities for post-secondary opportunities because guess where Kelly's going back home to? The States. He's moving back to Lansing to go back to school to be a women's basketball coach. So still with the opportunities here, I want to build the bridge to be able to allow for athletes to come from the States to Canada. And guess what? If you're not a good enough athlete in the States, guess where you can come? To Canada. There's a scholarship for my mother 
here. So what happens if there's somebody in the States that might want to come here like I did? I got to be able to open up opportunities on both sides of the border. And that's relationships. So when I look at relationships and people, with those relationships comes opportunities. Opportunities and obstacles, we have talked about that in depth in previous episodes. But you have to be really, really solid with your relationships when you start. So when I look at Purdue, I didn't do a very good job at Purdue because that's the starting point of me being afraid to be a leader. I have to apologize to my teammates at Purdue because I left them. I had opportunity to stay and fight and do what was right. I took off for a few and left behind so many. I wasn't ready to go to the NFL, nor should I have left for the reasons I left. And I dealt with that pain because I didn't do it for the right reasons. When you make a choice for the wrong reasons, you have to hold those emotions all the way through that choice because you can't change how you made the choice. The reason and the reality is the same, but the energy behind the choice was very wrong. I had all the right talent to leave. I had all the wrong emotions to leave. I had all of the right coaches to stay. I was just so afraid of myself saying I was going to fail. I was so afraid I was going to let that team down. I was so afraid that I was just so scared that I hadn't dealt with losing my mother, my father. And I was like, I wasn't ready. But I hadn't, really, I hadn't been able to develop my ability to communicate and to say that I was afraid. I hadn't been able to talk and articulate my thoughts, my emotions, my, 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 my energy to control my emotions. I can build it up so high. I can take it down so low. But at a period of time, I didn't know what I was doing. But speaking of that, this reminds me of family. And I always talk about my family and my four sisters. If you hadn't have a chance to check out the website, www.foursistersclothing.com, check it out. What did I just say? You know, when I talk about great coaches, sometimes I forget about coaches. Hey, Dawn, uh, something's wrong with my video. Sorry about that. Or actually, you're probably glad about that. But uh, does this uh, game maybe feel like that moment where everything kind of clicked for this team to be able to go down for, from nine down to nine up uh, over a period? No, I mean, not, no, because, uh, it. you know, you, you look at the first half and uh, I just thought we, we just – did not look like we were in sync. Um, I mean, we didn't defend well. We, I mean, we we made we made you know a couple of ill-advised turnovers that led to a lot of easy, uncontested layups for them in transition. Um, you know, I don't want to use the fact that we didn't have prep time, um, and I never wanted to use that in the beginning or now. Um, we just found a way to win. And, and that's a, a really good sign for our team. And that's the biggest thing about it. It's a really good sign for our teams when we're able to have diversity. Women and men in coaching, it's what's been huge. But women never got the label that they deserved or the credit that they deserve. My auntie's been coaching me for days. 
My Auntie Lee's one of the best athletes I've ever seen. Man, she's amazing at volleyball. And all her friends are dope at volleyball. So she had to overcome so much as a female athlete. Reggie Miller's, Reggie Miller's sister? Cheryl Miller? She probably beat me up for calling her Reggie Miller's sister. Cheryl Miller. Because she used to give Reggie Miller that work. Buckets on top of buckets. And like I know the story of basketball. Because I remember when they, there was it was an article or something happened and Reggie had come home was like, oh, I scored like 60, 70 points. And then the dad and the daughter were laughing um, and then because she had scored 100 points. So Cheryl Miller had scored 100 points and she just used to body, you know, her little brother. She would body her little brother. Get off me, you my little brother. Get off me, you my little brother. You my little brother. But you're still my brother. I love you. But you're still my little brother. The biggest thing is I'm harder on men than I am on women. That's always how it's been. Because I'm always more nurturing to my little sister. I made the biggest mistake in my life when during Black Lives Matter, I have always had a problem with saying goodbye and not really being able to be my sister's protector. Like the first person I started protecting, you know, speaking of my sisters, you know, should I do that or not? Nah, you know what? Think about speaking it. Speaking of that... This reminds me of family. And, and when you talk about my family, I've had a job to protect family for a long period of time. Travis knows what it feels like to protect his family. I know what it feels like to protect my family when we are stranded and we realize that, guess what? We don't get to go back home. We were just talking about that situation. We're like, oh man, we don't get to start over. There's no starting over with Kelly Butler. You're like, oh man, I can't start over and go talk to mom and dad and get this one right. It's like, man, you really messed this one up. And I'm going somewhere with this. The point is when you start something, you're going to make a lot of mistakes and people are going to step in those footprints and learn from those footprints. But those footprints, there still needs to be a starting point so people can see it. Don't see the end and not come back to the beginning. That's the missing piece, me coming back to the beginning. So as I keep working backwards, the beginning of this was Purdue. I'm sorry. To all my teammates on the team of 2003 and 2004, I'm sorry. I can say that out loud. I'm sorry to the team of 2004 and 2005 because I felt like I should have been a leader and I wasn't ready. And I'm sorry because society somehow allowed a 16-year-old to blow my mother's head off. And through that situation, I was able to go to college on my own accord as far as passing my SATs and getting in to get a full-ride scholarship. But the one thing that nobody speaks on is like, well, because my mother left me life insurance and nobody was there to tell me or to, to guide me, I was guided on the football field. I started 36 games in a row. I redshirted medically, then started and went on my way. So it wasn't a football thing. But the thing that we weren't coached on, the black community, the minority community, is wealth management. Not being a consumer, but being a commodity. We're consumed, our culture, our content, our creativity. We don't even know that's even, even happening till after we look on movies and say, oh man, I've never seen somebody be as smooth as I am, but then you see somebody on TV speaking that way, but you're like, I don't know anybody that speaks like that that I know. And the only person I know that speaks like that is on TV, so you know it's scripted, because they're actors. 
And because I know their actions, because I saw the script of, hey, when I got $200,000, I thought a certain way. $200,000 at 18 years old, not having a mother or a father, being structured enough to be able to stay on time and stay eligible, but not being responsible enough to be able to use that money wisely. And if you play with Kelly Butler in Purdue from 2000 to 2004, how much fun do we have with my mother's money? Because I guess what? She was there, wasn't she, fellas? Don't even try it at any school. We did, we did it. We did the most. And we were good to each other. That was the thing about that, that that bond, yeah, I had $200,000, but we won games. We were a family. We did all of these things together. I knew it was my money. He was like, you're too generous. Like, my mother's not here to enjoy it. What does it feel like to have all this money and not enjoy it with you? I would give all this money back if she could come watch me play football. My mother has never seen me play football, ever. She never saw me play one time in her life. For all this bullshit I'm going through, my mother has never seen me play football. Not one cheer, not one clap, nothing. So I'm like, all this fuss for what? For you guys? Give a fuck how you feel? Give a fuck what you feel about? My mother probably wouldn't let me play football. Every woman along the way was like, man, Kelly, you shouldn't be playing football. Man, Kelly, black women, most were like, what are you doing? But then everybody's pushing down basketball. So I didn't really like to listen. Because guess what? Have you ever been so stubborn that you've been right, but still been so wrong? You're like, you're right. Like, oh, well, I don't want to do this. Or people have made you do things a certain way. You've been coached to do things a certain way. So in the black culture, in the white culture, in the, the fitness culture, you're coached to do things a certain way. And guess what happens? You keep getting the same results. So if you introduce the information sooner, then later we won't make those mistakes. If I had a better understanding of self-wealth and self-identity and financial responsibility, I would be in a good position. Wrong. Guess what? Uncle John, John Matthews, the assistant superintendent of schools, he gave me a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read that thing. He made me read that. So I'm not going to put that on him. I'm not going to put, well, Kelly made spontaneous decisions and they didn't work out. No. Because guess what happened? In college, I didn't, we, we as a culture, black men, couldn't talk about therapy. What do you do if you've lost your mother or your father or if you had trauma? What's the first thing most Americans do? They drink, they smoke, they eat to deal with their problems or their financial problems. So they self-medicate in a large amount. And that's the normal thing to do. So through my college experience, I was just really intoxicated, really broken, and really good at being mad at people and beating up people in front of me. Seems like the right thing to do. And it wasn't that the coaches were seeing anything wrong because I wasn't getting in trouble. Whenever I got in trouble in college, I was protecting somebody else. I just got a chance to uh, congratulate one of my college coaches um, at the time, and he's coming back. He's coming back to Purdue. 
at one point when I was there, I didn't get his style. Because his style of coaching is what I needed, but guess what side of the ball he was on? He was on defense. Stop. They're harmless. Yeah, my dogs. So the D on that side of the ball, they ready to hunt. And then, like, we are notoriously known at Purdue for having phenomenal. How are you doing? I'm just doing my podcast right now, showing the house. So my aunt seems to realize that this is going to be on the nation. So uh, my auntie Lisa, say aloha. This is going to be a fun one here. So I was talking about Coach Mark Hagens. He's just come back to Purdue. Let's say that again. Let's also be reminded that I'm financially broke right now, so I got to show my house. So if somebody says this is somewhat sloppy or unedited, well, this is serious. This is the reality of what Kelly Butler really does. So as much as I can clean it up, I can show you it's not that sloppy, but it takes a lot of people to make this thing really work together. And what I was working on saying was that Coach Hagen, when he was first at Purdue, when I was a highly recruited offense alignment, his structure and style was perfect for me. But guess what? He was on defense. He was the defensive coach. Guess who I came to go play for? Coach Danny Hope. Now, his dial of play was also per- uh, was perfect for me. Part indigenous, part crazy, all the way loyal, and just ready to go. And if you've ever got heard Kelly Butler go for a rant, you've never heard a rant till Coach Danny Hope has given you one of those rants. And when I'm thinking about Purdue, I'm reminded of Drew Brees. It was his last game, and he lost. Purdue, I'm sorry. I ain't going to make that mistake ever again. Engineering a plan to come back from behind, that's our specialty. Or at least it was. That's what we were reminded of. Do you understand why I can come back from behind? Do you understand why Kelly Butler can come back from behind? Well, if you went to Purdue, you do. When you have a large lead and somehow life catches back up to you and beats you, that somebody was Joe Tiller. Rest Joe Tiller's soul. That was that man was a man. I love that dude. JT Money, he gave me everything I needed. And I was, wasn't ready. Because what happened was, I wasn't ready for going into 6 a.m. after losing the previous year. And what happened was the previous year, Purdue had lost the Outback Ball, Outback Ball because they had come from behind. So they were up by a huge amount at halftime, and somehow the team was able to come back and beat them. Coach Tillard despises losing. Doesn't like it. And as a new freshman, what they don't tell you about is 6 a.m.s. They don't tell you about what the team has just gone through in the offseason. You don't know what the offseason looks like until you come into college. You have no idea. You just know you're coming into football, and then you're going to be coming into two-a-days, and then you're going to be coming into, you know, the season. And you assume that you may or may not play. As soon as the season's over with, you're like, all right, what happens now? So then you go into a bowl game and stuff like that. But whatever reason, we had lost, you know, we had lost the Rose Bowl. Oh, man, Coach Tiller was not, he just was serious about business. 
And he showed that regardless of what happened the year before, he was going to engineer a plan to come back, and he revolutionized the style of play. Coach, Joe, Coach Tiller was the first coach that came to the Stampedes for Calgary and began the style of play that we know as to whatever you want to call it. He was the first person to be able to split it out and have them all over the place. Before Urban Myers, before Nick Saban was Nick Saban, Coach Tiller was thumping everybody. He was at Wyoming putting up buckets on top of buckets. Why do you think Drew Brees manipulates the defense like he does? I started 36 games. So regardless what you think I may say and what you think I may know, I stayed eligible at Purdue. So stop it. And I think I had a stud of a quarterback too. Kyle Orton would go out there and gunsling it, man, and give people bodies. Michigan State, I hung up those numbers on on purpose. Oh, man, I couldn't stand Michigan State when I played because you guys didn't recruit me. And then my boy Charles Rogers was putting up touchdowns on us. And we're all from the crib. So me and Stu would go all first Michigan State and we could never beat Michigan. They was just smarter than us. <laughs> Michigan, I could never beat Michigan because I was afraid of Michigan because I didn't go there because I knew I had to be smart. But I didn't think I was smart enough. So Purdue is like creating an engineering, a plan that nobody sees. And then before you know it, it's just a touchdown to Seth Morales and we coming back and we cheer and we on our way to the Rose Bowl. Then sometimes along the way, there's a young and up-and-coming stud that comes along and steals the show. Drew Brees, I don't know if he mad or not. I think he might be more mad at Stu because the last game he played at practice, Stu picked him off. So his last practice, Stu picked him off. His last college game, he lost the Rose Bowl. Okay, he won a few games too. You think Drew really cares that much that he lost his last game? Yeah, he would care if he didn't have a Super Bowl ring. He's going to be upset for a little while. Then he's going to go back being Drew Brees, hanging out at Purdue. I played with him. He cool. Now, if he was like Charles Barkley, and that was his last professional game, Charles Barkley ain't got a ring. He probably crying more. You're like, I'll never get a ring. That's why Charles Barkley always mad with people who have rings. I was able to help coach certain people off the field to help them get a ring on the field with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So I got a ring. I'm happy about that. And I also got an opportunity to go back and help rebuild some things that were broken in the States. I am happy about that also because it's relationship building. And the person that was my day one that's sitting here listening to me now, checking his phone, saying, hey man, that's a positive text, saying that congratulations, as of September, when I step down as being the president of Playing for a Purpose, you will step up as the president of Playing for a Purpose on the board. I will say one thing and one thing very clearly. Relationships are free. Knowledge is free. Now, if you don't want to listen, that's on you. I'm going to give you a free conversation on how to make it through life. Kelly's survival kit is relationship mastery and being kind regardless. And what I've just done is saying, hey, I started a charitable organization called Playing for a Purpose and then somehow, some way, in a confusing time of my life, on the corner, 
I bumped into a guy that said, hey, ask me a question. I said, hey, whatever you want. Hey, thank you. It's more than I had. Thanks for the chance. So I got to present that same opportunity saying, hey, this foundation when I started, here we are now. We're transitioning because the first foundation that we created was called BFL. So I'm going to go back home and sit on that board as the president and start doing some things there. And while I'm home, can you please be the president and take care of the indigenous community here and start implementing the, the, the programs, the systems, the blueprints I showed you. You know the place, you know the problems, and you know how to do it. And guess what? I was broke, you weren't here yesterday, but you were here a couple days ago and you've been in it every single day. And you were like, man, I'm gonna be here to move because Mitch Bourbondier, big shout out to Mitch, he came here with like 16 trucks of people helping me move my stuff. I ain't got no money. But where do you think that stuff went? It went back to community. It went back to the indigenous community. When I speak in numbers because dollars make sense, when I did the Hope Project, Staples, thank you Staples. Thank you TELUS. Thank you everybody that's a corporate sponsor that supported, just because I don't have a sponsor for the podcast. Please understand how many sponsors I have for playing for a purpose. People don't put, put, they don't put it together. I'm the same person. Same people on this side. I support the community. I'm the same person. I'm a people person. So for some people, it doesn't make sense. But being a people person, I'm proud of you, Travis. You're like, why is Kelly giving Travis this opportunity? Travis earned it. Travis was left behind like I was left behind. But he's picking it back up. Because we didn't take it serious. In foster care, if you don't take it serious and you get left behind, you graduate and it's hard. On the other side of the border, if you don't take it serious in those four years in college and you jump the gun, 